We are on Exubus Bays on the Bays 2B uh, towards the top. Uh, just a quick review of what we did last time. Um, we are in the middle of a second version of the Gemara. The Gemara had two versions. In version number one, the Gemara said that just like we know, again, this is talking about a case where there is a delay in the second stage of this marriage. They, they have this first stage or an engagement if you want to call it a halachic engagement, they have the first stage. It was normal to wait 12 months. They would wait exactly 12 months. After 12 months, there is this sort of penalty, a fine, placed on the husband if they do not get married at 12 months. He has to now support his wife uh, financially <coughs> until uh, until they get married. Once they get married, he's also obligated to support her. But... Uh, they put this fine upon him even prior to the marriage once the, once the year passes. Now the question then comes up, well, what happens if it gets delayed for reasons that he can't control? So we know for sure that if the rabbi said we have to delay the marriage, for example, the year ends on Sunday and they have to get married on Wednesday for the reasons that we explained in the previous recordings. Well, then we will say that he does not have to. He does not have to pay because it's not him. The rabbis are saying let's delay the marriage, especially since the reason why we're delaying the marriage is really for her, her benefit, uh, because we want a, a nice big wedding, uh, so that it's for her benefit, so that uh, it's a, it's a lasting marriage. Um, so therefore, we'll say he does not have to pay. What about according to the first version? The first version then says, well, the same thing would be true for any other situation which is beyond his control. If he gets sick, if she gets sick, different situations where uh, the wedding can't take place. Or if she becomes a nida, she has her period, and as such, uh, they're not allowed to uh, get have, complete the second stage of marriage because they have to have the ability to have sexual relations. And uh, based on the laws of family purity, they're not able to. Um, so they can't pl- complete uh, in its entirety that second stage. All those cases, according to the first version... He does not have to pay. He does not have to support. He does not have to support her financially. According to the second version, and this is what we are in the middle of, it's a question. It's true. When it comes to the rabbis, if the rabbi said, you know what? You, um, you, do, you cannot get married now. You have to wait till Wednesday. There, he does not have to support her because the rabbis are the ones who are telling him delay the marriage. But if he's sick, we had a question. If she's sick, we had a question. And if she has her period, if she is a nida, if she has her period... Uh, and therefore, they cannot have tashra uh, shamita. They can't have sexual relations. Well, that also delays at least part of the second marriage, the second stage of the marriage. So, what is the law? We left that as an open question. We weren't sure. So now the Gemara attempts to answer it. And the way the Gemara is going to work is that Rav Achai will try to answer this question by bringing a proof based on the language of a brisa. Brisa is a source from the times of the Mishnah. And then Rav Ashi is going to come back and say, no, you can't bring a proof from that language. You, you misread uh, or, or you, you inferred incorrectly. What does the Gemara say? The Brisa that we started off with says that if the 12 months pass and they do not get married, so then he has an obligation, the husband has an obligation to financially support his wife. And she's also allowed to eat uh, the truma, if, his, if her husband is a Kohen, there's special food that is given to the Kohanim, to the priests, called truma, and his family is allowed to eat, eat from it, and she's also allowed to eat it. She can't eat it during the first stage, but she's allowed to eat it during the second stage. 
So what does Rav Achai say? Lo nasu lo kitani el It doesn't say it, it, that they didn't get married in the masculine, but in the feminine. It says that she did not get married. Sounds like it's on her. Not on him. It's not that he delayed the marriage. It's that she delayed the marriage. Well, what's the case? Hey, Chidami, what's the case that she delayed the marriage? If she just delays the marriage, for not because uh, some some outside factors, but because she wants to delay the marriage, she doesn't want to get married now. So then, certainly, no one would say that he has an obligation to financially support her. He's ready. He's waiting. He wants to get married. She's the one who's delaying it intentionally. Everybody would agree that he does not have to support her. Must be, concludes Rav Achai, that when it says that she is delaying the marriage, it means the cases that we were just talking about. Says Rav must be talking about a case where the 12 months pass, and it's not because she's intentionally delaying the marriage, but it's under duress. It's against her will. She's sick. He's sick. She's in need though. She had, she had her period. So for any of these situations... It's, it's, it's against her will. She wants to get married. Just for outside reasons, she's not allowed to get married. Even in such a scenario, they're allowed to eat. Uh, she, she has an obligation to financially uh, support her. That is what Rav Achai concludes. Now this is certainly, this is certainly against the first version. In the first version, we said that he has no obligation. If, if they are uh, under, uh, if they are, are, are forced um, to delay the marriage for whatever reason, but they want to get married. So then, we uh, we do not force him to support. Uh, we, we do not say that he has to find him to support his uh, his wife. Iravachai now says against that first version that we have a proof. Otherwise, now Rav Ashi now rejects that proof. Ashi says, no, your, your inference is, is incorrect. You're, really, we hold like the first version. In the first version, any reason they really want to get married, but there's an outside factor preventing them from getting married, we will not impose a fine on the husband for any reason. Oh, but you wanted to prove, Rav Achai, you wanted to prove it from the fact that the Brisa says it in the uh, going on the woman that uh, she doesn't want to get married. Well, that's not, it's true. That's the language that he uses, but it really is referring to him. It's a, talking about a case where he's intentionally delaying the wedding. Because he's intentionally delaying the wedding after 12 months, now we, we, we find him and we say that you have to go ahead and support your wife financially. You have to support her. Oh, why did it say that it was on her? It's just a continuation of what happened, was happening and what was being discussed beforehand. What was being discussed beforehand was really about her. It was, uh, t- it, was, it was a statement that said that she, get, she has to prepare for 12 months. If she was never married before, if she was married before, it's only 30 days. It's talking about her. So since it's talking about her, so they just use her. But it doesn't really mean her. It means that he is the one who's delaying the marriage. And according to Ravashi then, really, the second version and the first version has the same conclusion. Any time that they want to get married, but for outside factors, there is... Uh, a, a prevention of that. There's a delay in the marriage. We do not impose this fine. That is the conclusion of the Gemara. Okay. Now comes Rava. There's a new now. There's a, a new new Gemara here that is uh, a tangent 
to what we were just discussing. We were just discussing the topic of what happens if you are in a case of an onus, if you're under duress, if you were forced into a situation, i.e. the situation where you want to get married after 12 months, you're forced into a situation where you cannot get married. So we say the, the fine does not exist. The fine, the penalty that the, the rabbis wanted to impose does not exist because you, you really want to get married. It's just outside factors that prevent it. Rava says, when it, in the context of ones, of when you're under duress, now, we will see that uh, next week when we do Daf Gimel, uh, we'll have a whole new version where Rava says the exact opposite. But over here, Rava is now saying that when it comes to divorce, and we'll explain exactly what this means, when it comes to divorce, that it's not true. We do not take into consideration, says Rava, the fact that he was uh, under duress. It's not a factor. Amakasav Rava we do not take that into consideration when it comes to divorce. Now, what are we talking about? What do we mean? What's the case of divorce? What exactly are we talking about? So we'll see in the Gemara that the case is as follows. And when it comes to divorce, the husband gives a wife a divorce document. That's how they get divorced. He's able, he has the ability to, to make the divorce on certain conditions, not all conditions. When we get to the tractate of Gittin, we'll discuss it then. Uh, but there are certain conditions that he can make. So for example, he can make it on the condition that, that this is divorce on the condition that I don't reach, I don't know, I don't reach uh, Israel within uh, the next 12 months. If I don't make it to Israel within the next 12 months, so then then this uh, then this divorce takes place. Okay? He can make such a condition. What happens if he wants to get to Israel, but he was sick? Or for other factors, the, the, the borders were closed, COVID hit, and there was no way to get into Israel. But he wanted to get into there. So is it a good divorce or not? Well, in the end of the day, he didn't get to Israel, so it should be a good divorce. Because if he didn't get there, so then it, it should be a good divorce. But he wanted to get there. So maybe we should say that we should take into, into consideration the fact that this was against his will. He wanted to be in Israel, and so therefore we will say that it is a good divorce. Do we take into, into consideration the fact that he was, under, he, he was under duress? There was outside factors that said that prevented him from going into Israel. So... Before we continue on in the Gemara, the Gemara essentially is going to is going to ask, where did Rava get this from? How does Rava know this? How does Rava know this? That we don't take that into consideration. The Gemara is going to try to bring one proof after another proof after another proof until it finally concludes that, you know what? Really, 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 on a biblical level, we do take it into consideration. We certainly do take it into consideration. However, on a rabbinic level, for reasons that we will explain in a, in a different recording, but a, a reasons that we'll explain later, on a rabbinic level, we say that we cannot uh, we cannot take into account. But on a biblical level, we could take it into account. Why? Where does this come from? So a little bit of background. This is really a bigger issue. This is a much bigger issue of of what happened. What's the law? What's the law when people uh, commit sins under duress? Have they violated uh, the Torah or have they not violated the Torah? Very important topic. So the source explains Rashi. Uh, comes from the Torah. The Torah is discussing a case of a rape of a, of a woman who is raped. So even though if she did so, if she if she was willingly uh, uh, intimate, having sexual relations with a man that she wasn't supposed to, that would be uh, that would be uh, against the Torah. That would be a prohibition. However, if she's raped, the verse says that she's not punished. She's not punished. So the the question is: Well, is it just that? This is a big question that, that uh, there's lots written on this. When we say that she's not punished, is it because that we just say 
she committed the act, but we cannot, of course, we cannot punish her because she was forced into it. Or do we say even more than that potentially? Potentially, we could say that this is not even an act that we could connect to her because she didn't do so willingly. She was forced into it. This is not her act. We cannot even call this her act. It's not that we just won't punish her because she commit she she did the act itself, but we just can't punish her. No, it's more than that. It's an act that is so separated from her that we cannot. Uh, it's not even called. She didn't even have sexual relations. We wouldn't even call it as such because because uh, she was raped. She was forced into it. So that that itself is there's a, a lot written on this topic, uh, but I just wanted to give you a little bit of of the background. Okay, so again back to Rava. So on a biblical level, we're going to get to that as the conclusion. But right now, the Gemara doesn't doesn't know that. The Gemara just knows that Rava said that even though when it comes to uh, when it comes to rape, we certainly do t- we, we we do take these the fact that uh, this was done against her will in, uh, into serious consideration. Into uh, you know we we, we don't uh, we don't contribute the, the act to her potentially. So then. But when it comes to a divorce, Rava now is saying that, no, we don't take it into consideration. We'll see that that's only on a rabbinic level. We'll get to that. But right now, Rava just said the statement in general. The Gemara wants to know, what is the proof? Where do we have this? What's the source? So the Gemara is going to try to bring down a few different places where Rava might have found this from. So the Gemara says, Maybe it's from the following Mishnah. The mission says as follows. The same case that we started off with when it comes to divorce. A husband divorces his wife on the condition that if I don't make it to Israel within 12 months, so then you're divorced. As long as I don't get to Israel within 12 months, you're divorced. So what happens? He dies within 12 months, says the Mishnah. He dies within 12 months. So we say that it is not a, it's not a divorce. She's really viewed as a widow. She's not viewed as divorced. What are the ramifications to that? So just one ramification would be, what's the difference? In the end, uh, the marriage is over. So one ramification is whether or not a Kohen. A Kohen is not allowed to marry somebody who's divorced. They could marry a widow. So that's a potential difference. He dies in the middle of the 12 months. We say that it's not a divorce. She's really viewed as a widow. Um, so the, the Gemara says, the Mishnah says specifically, get. It says specifically that he died. That's why it's not a divorce. Implication being, but if it was, if there was some other reason why he didn't make it to Israel, like he was sick, the implication that is that it's a good divorce. It would be a good divorce, meaning the condition is fulfilled. The condition was that he couldn't make it to Israel. He didn't make it to Israel. Why? He wanted to go there, but he was sick. But we still say it's a good divorce. Why? Rava says, Rava explains, we don't care about the fact that there were outside factors. We don't care about the fact that he wanted to make it there. At the end of the day, he didn't get there. It's not, it, it is a good divorce. Stigmar says, no. Slow down a second. No, really, if you're sick, it's also... Uh, wouldn't it, We would take that into consideration and we'll say, you want it to be there? Okay. So it's like you didn't fulfill the condition. It's not a, it's not a divorce. Why did it say specifically with regards to a, a mace? As far as regards to specifically if he died... It's really there to tell you just a, a different concept, a different idea, which is that if a person dies, they cannot give a divorce document. Meaning, as follows, let's give a different example. Let's say the husband says, I'm going to divorce you. The divorce will take place right after I die. It's meaningless. 
he dies, then the divorce takes place, but he died already. He died already, and so therefore, they're not viewed as divorced. She's viewed as a widow. Again, as we said before, a potential, uh, the potential reason why we care about this is whether or not a Kohen could marry her. Um, but it's really there, the reason why it says somebody who died as opposed to somebody who's sick is really to teach you this idea that if, a, if, if, if the divorce takes place after the person dies, so then it's not viewed as a divorce. But really, if he was sick, we would also say it's not a divorce. We would also say it's not a divorce because in the end of the day, he wanted to be in Israel. Within the 12 months, he wanted to, to make sure that the condition is not fulfilled so that the divorce doesn't take place. So the Gemara says, wait a minute. If it's there to teach you about the fact that you can't get divorced after death, we already know about that. Says the Gemara, this is, has already been taught to us elsewhere. Hatani le'reisha. We have we have a source earlier that says that exactly what we just said that if you if you give a divorce on the condition that 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 the husband dies, it, it's not a divorce because the divorce would have to take place after he dies. No such thing. It's impossible. You can't get divorced after you die. You already died. There's no such thing. So we have a source for that. So basically, we're going back to our original question. Our original question is. Why did the Mishnah, when it says that uh, you'll get divorced if I don't make it to Israel within 12 months, you'll get divorced, the Mishnah specifically uses a case where he died. It doesn't give a case where he, he was delayed for some other reason. Why did it give specifically a case where he died? So the Gemara wants to say, it's not there to tell you that, oh, if, but if he was sick, so then it would be a good divorce. That's what the Gemara thought at first. But the Gemara is saying, no, it's not because if he was sick, so then uh, really even if he was sick, if there was some other reason that was preventing him from coming, if it was COVID, you couldn't get in. So uh, all the airports were closed. So we would say it's still it's still not a good divorce because he really wanted to get there. So why does it say specifically if he died? Why specifically the case if he died? Dilma lafuke midirabosenu because it's coming to counteract the following position. The following position holds there a certain court that sabila krabiosi they hold like the position of the rabiosi. What does rabiosi say? The Amar Zmano Shoshtar Mochiachalov. Rabiosi says that, uh, that when you write the time, let's say we have a case where you say that I'm getting divorced from you on the condition that in 12 months from now I never enter into Israel. And you write the date of when you gave the divorce document. So Rabiosi says, why are you writing the, the, the date of the divorce document? Why don't you write the date of when the end of the 12 months are? Just add it up and figure out when that date is. So says Rabbi the reason why is because when I write the date now, big discussion, when I say it's on condition that something happens in 12 months, well, when does the divorce take place? Does, it, does the divorce take place when I gave the divorce document? Or does the divorce take place in 12 months from now? When it's on a condition that in 12 months from now, I never enter into Israel, well, when does the divorce take place? Does it take place in 12 months or does it take place right now? Says Rabbi the fact that you wrote the date of right now, when you gave the divorce document and not the date of in 12 months from now, proves to me, says Rabbi that it's from now. Retroactively, you will be divorced from the time that I gave the divorce document. Well, if that's the case, according to Rabbi according to Rabbi if the person dies, so then one can make the claim that if the person dies, retroactively, the divorce takes place on the day that it was given. The divorce would actually take place on the day that, on the day that it was given. Uh, and he was alive at that time, retroactively. So according to Rabiosi, it would be a good divorce. It would be a good divorce. Especially if it was a case where it's on condition, uh, when I die that the divorce takes place. 
Uh, so then that would work, that would, that would potentially work retroactively. So, the reason why we gave specifically a case of somebody who passes away is there to tell me, don't say like Rabiosi. Rabiosi's wrong. When they die, uh, before the, b- b- before the condition is fulfilled, so then, the, the divorce actually takes, is supposed to take place later, not at the time that the divorce document was given, but it's supposed to take place when the condition is fulfilled. The condition was ne- wasn't fulfilled till much later, if it's a time issue, uh, or if it's when he dies. And he died before the divorce actually took place. And so therefore, they're not viewed as divorced because he died before the divorce actually took place. So, again, we're trying to answer why is it that when you, the Mishnah used the case of where they died and not a case where they were forced uh, not to enter into Israel, like if they were sick. The reason is to teach you, don't say like Rabiosi. According to Rabiosi, the divorce happens retroactively. If the divorce happens retroactively, so then he was alive at the time of the divorce. We use a case of where he died to tell you, don't say like that. He really died before the divorce. Because according to the majority, not Rabiosi, we follow the position that the divorce takes place afterwards. The divorce takes place when the condition is fulfilled. Well, he already died. Since he already died... The divorce does not take place. Okay, we will come back to this. We're really in the middle of this, but we'll come back to this um, in the next recording as we conclude as we conclude these different cases. We'll we'll review this and come back to this.